Hi, my name is Dr. Sarah Adams. I am a board-certified pediatrician, but I'm not your pediatrician. Feel free to use my podcast as helpful information, but in no way do I intend my podcast to replace the advice of your physician. Your physician knows you and is in the best position to provide medical advice. Hello and welcome to Growing Up with Dr. Sarah. One of the best things that I have loved since I started this podcast was meeting some incredible people and having them join me as guests. And today is no different. I love like sitting in a coffee shop, for example, and looking around and seeing people and just wanting to know what their story is. I'm sure you've done that too. And so today we're going to talk about Nick Bellardo's story because I think he has so much to offer everyone from any age. So I invite even teenagers to listen to this episode because I think we're all going to walk away better than when we started listening. So thank you, Nick, for joining me today. Thank it's you so for exciting. Having me. I love looking across the table and seeing your beautiful smile. Thanks for coming. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. I, I flew in from California, and when people ask why I'm in town this month, like a week before the holidays, I tell them it's to film this podcast, and it's just a bonus that it's uh, Christmas time. Just happens to yeah, be, you know, a family time of gathering. But no, thank you for joining me because I know it's really busy, and you probably have a lot of people to see and things to do. So, well, I told in the beginning that I love hearing about stories, and a lot of times, during my podcast, I'll read people's bio, but I really want you to tell your story because I love it. Of course, that's why I have you here. And uh, so tell me, like, how did you end up in California growing up in Northeastern Ohio and start as early as you want? I love it. Well, the year was 1988. Just <laughs> um, so reverse engineering it. I live in Los Angeles. Now I'm coming up on 14 years uh, a whole storyline just uh, in that great state. But wow. I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio, beautiful Italian family. Um, and I always knew I was going to end up there. I just knew from a young age, there's this great picture of me and uh, one of my cousins, and I'm wearing a California t-shirt. And I always said that's that was the first moment I knew. Um, but really, it was just taking a bet on myself. I had a friend that moved out there and gave me a call and said, do you want to just come and check out Los Angeles? I had $150 in my pocket. I booked a one-way flight. Oh, wow. And 14 years later, I made it work. Wow. And and that's so inspiring because that was a leap of faith. I mean, 100%. <laughs> for sure. 100%. Just, and having faith in yourself and faith in just knowing that you were going to be okay. Because that's the that's the uncomfortable part. We talk a lot about in this podcast is – just sometimes you have to get a little uncomfortable to really get where you want to go. A hundred percent. The three words I said, make it work. That was the first time in my life where I was, I was still very young. I wasn't yet in my adulthood. Um, and things just weren't always working out. Things weren't perfect. You know, you have this idea of where things are going. And then every letter in between A and Z happens and you're taking hits, you're taking blows. There's ups, there's downs. And it's a roller coaster. It's a total roller coaster. And at some point, you just have to throw your hands up and have a little bit of fun with it. And <laughs> I do believe true. I do believe uh, a lot of hard work and a lot of that perspective has helped me get to where I am today and uh, had made the most of it. 
Well, I, I love that roller coaster analogy for several reasons. And I love the fact that you brought in like you throw your hands up because I know when I ride a roller coaster, I'm like holding on to with dear life. And then as you start to really enjoy it and realize that you're okay, even though there's still a lot of ups and downs, you do, you throw your hands up and you scream and you laugh. And, and then one time, um, a life coach that you and I know very well, Lauren Nanny, she said, you know, the ride doesn't have to end. So, and that's the other thing that I, I like to, uh, use the roller coaster because it really is that life is full of ups and downs. Well, and roller coasters have starts. And finishes right. So I always tell this great story. I uh, I do a lot of hosting work. So um, companies will hire me. I show up and I'm on stage telling their stories, telling their sponsor stories. And I got into that business a long time ago, and I started strong. Walt Disney Company hires me. Wow. I'm a host for them. I'm uh, I had a radio name. I would I was all over the place performing these shows. And you go through rigorous training. So, oh, really? Oh, yeah. It's it's weeks before you even touch a microphone and then weeks more where you're not allowed on stage alone. So it's my first solo show. Wow. I'm 19 years old. So I am young. And there's this massive opportunity in front of me. I've gone through all this training. I'm blindly confident because I was so young. And the show starts with me backstage. I'm on the microphone and doing the voice of God. So are you guys ready? Are you excited? And I go to take my first step on stage. And what do you think happens? I oh, no. fall flat on my face. And that was the start of a very special roller coaster for me because I remember lying there and there's all these guests. Oh, my and gosh. And you hear that that audible, <gasps> that gasp. Or, oh. Oh, yeah. So I'm laying there and I remember quickly thinking in my brain, you have one of two choices right now. Mm-hmm. You stay laying down and this defines your first moment in this in this opportunity or you get up and make the most of it. I stood up. I cracked a joke. Hey, that's how I like to start my shows. Everybody laughed and we went on to have an incredible experience together. I love that story. That is great because, yeah, I mean, what's that expression like seven times fall down, get up eight, you get know? Get up eight. And so, yeah, you do. You have to go, I can let this define me and this at this moment or even for the rest of our life or I can – just get up and, and make it, and can, make it something amazing. And can I tell you something that cool that came out of that moment? And this is a theme throughout life. So, you know, we're always in theory striving for perfection and um, always batting a hundred in that moment. I'll never forget after the show, how many people came up and, and like congratulated me for, for optimizing that moment and said, that was really inspiring that you were able to do that. Like, I, I feel like I just couldn't have done it. And I feel like people need to see people fall. And, and it's not even about erasing the fall and starting over. It's, standing up and that fall became the start of the journey. Right. Oh, and I like, I love that. Yeah. And I, I, I have carried that moment with me through everything, through hosting, through my marketing career, through relationships, through friendships, everything, right? It's not about erasing the moments you didn't bat a hundred. It's about standing up and defining that moment with that opportunity. And using it as an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Well, I know that you, um, you have said to me that you live a mission driven life. And I had the opportunity to share with Nick my mission. And if you haven't heard that podcast, it's, you know, one of the first podcasts that I put out on growing up with Dr. Sarah. And I I think that that is such a way to think about things, because even when you fall down or even when you're doing well, making the best of that opportunity and knowing you know, how to keep going forward because you've got that mission. So 
another thing I love about you is that you make everyone you see and interact with, whether it's somebody holding the door for you, which, you know, I had the opportunity to witness, or, you know, a cashier or your beautiful family and friends feel like they are the most important person in the world. And how do you do that? Because that that's a gift. Well, I, I do feel that everybody I come into contact with is important. So I have a, a lot to say on this topic. So let's start at living a mission-driven life. Okay. Um, through all my endeavors, and the storyline is all over the place from uh, how I got to where I am today from where I've been, um, there were moments of wandering around aimlessly. I would pursue an opportunity, and I had good intentions, but something just wasn't clicking, and then inevitably I'd stop. I'd be so passionate about it, and then I'd become uninterested in it, and I would replicate that pattern over and over again. And through great mentorship and leadership in my life, I learned about living a mission-driven life. Um, and I'm going to reference a book for our listeners to, to read, to get oh, into this do. for themselves. But you have to have a mission in your life that brings you to a higher calling regardless of what you're doing. So I'll start the first time I learned that. I was working for this incredible company called Caruso, living in Los Angeles. If you visited, stop at the Grove. It's like the Disneyland of retail and lifestyle and all these amazing things. The CEO of that company is this high-powered man that I was so lucky to learn from. And uh, I was in his executive coaching program, and we sat at a table one day, and he was teaching us about his his philosophies. And you know, he goes on to say that everybody who knows me knows that I'm this high, successful businessman, billionaire, property owner, developer. He goes, ask me what I do. And when you ask, he'll say, I build centers for the community to gather and spend time together. And he goes, everything I build is with that higher calling. Always have one, he said. Always have a higher call. Always have a higher calling. So then that led me to believe, what is my higher calling? And there's an exercise in this book that, that you guys should reference. But um, I knew that I liked to make people happy. I knew that I liked to succeed. I knew that I liked to be in moments and leave moments that made me feel happy so I did the exercises and I came up with my personal mission that I bring with me everywhere, opening the door for somebody, showing up to work every day. My mission is to create exceptional experiences for every single person I come into contact with so yeah. that in turn, we all experience positive interactions. When you bring that mindset to any situation, it's always going to be good. Yeah, it, it forms a ripple effect. Mm -hmm. It's just, I mean, it can be as simple as smiling and just saying hello. And what an impact that has on other people. But that's not so easy to do. Have you always been like that? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I actually used to be the complete opposite. So going back to, to my younger years, I had a whole different storyline. I was very ADHD as a kid. I did not like school. I was always on the defense when people would be, try to be my friend. I would assume that they had bad intentions. And I lived my life like that for many years as a kid, and I, I felt a little bit misunderstood, but I was also high energy, so people misunderstood it because they assumed I'd be different. Um, and I repeated that pattern. You're going to hear the word patterns a lot because I believe we learn the most from our patterns, but um, those years of my life, just nothing was going right. Again, I was showing up to things and not optimizing them. My grades weren't good because I didn't want to show up to school. Um, didn't want to be friends with everybody. And I'll never forget. So my dad is this like angelic man. He, if you know him, he's, he really is. He's just a sweet person. And I'll never forget. I was so young. And one day he just snapped and he said, is this how you want to live your life? And I will, it was like someone opened the sliding door and all the cold air hit my face at once. 
And I quickly knew the answer, which was, no, I no. don't. And that was a shift for me to start living a life with intentionality. I knew wow. that I had, to, I had to reroute the pattern. I had to make different choices. And I had to overcompensate with positivity to not ever be perceived again as a negative person that showed up ready to lose, not interested in connecting. So that was a pivotal moment um, for me. And in building that and compounding that and rerouting that pattern into my adult life and then living that mission-driven life, I start to always aim to make positive impact everywhere I go. So it all connects. And I think it's important um, when you think about your life, you have to draw back from those past moments and bring them with you, right? Like experience becomes knowledge, knowledge becomes wisdom, only if you remember and connect it all as you go. I completely agree because what happens is you kind of lose sight, not just of the positive things, but also the negative things. And it's easy to get back into those patterns, like you said, that you really are trying to change or you may have already changed, but all of a sudden you find yourself like slipping again. And by the way, you're going to always, right? you're always going to slip into old patterns. If anybody here meditates, I'm not a huge meditation person, uh, but I, I like to give it a try. And any beginner's meditation course, as you're going through it says, let your mind wander and invite it back and forgive it for wandering. Oh, I know. And I definitely am one of those people that I try so hard to focus if I meditate and I don't do it all the time. I really, we really should yeah. <laughs> because I, I tell kids all the time that it's just a great way to kind of number one, you know, get out of your head, but also let your, let your thoughts just kind of like, because we hold them so tight. Sometimes you really have to let it go, but you're right. I think that taking those experiences with you is so important because you want to build on the things that you're doing right, but also you want to not repeat some of the things that did not feel very comfortable at all. 100%. And earlier you talked about, um, and thank you for the compliment of making people feel like the most important person in the room. And you do. You absolutely oh, well, do. Thank that. you. I mean, I am surrounded by great people, so it's, it's not very difficult. See, but how, see how you are. <laughs> thank you. I, I think about this all the time. So you'll hear me talk a lot about work-life integration. Everyone's striving for work-life balance. I believe in integration because I am very career focused, but I started learning as I was growing in my career, all the things that helped me become a great leader worked in my personal life as well. So in that particular topic of making people feel like the most important person in the room, you learn a lot about customer service, making the customer feel seen and heard, be empathetic, provide solutions, create great experiences. All of a sudden, I realized in my personal life, if I was doing that for them too, and for me, there is no customer experience in any context. There is the human experience. Everybody I come into contact with matters because I see them as the human that they are. I don't care about their job title, about their status, about what they do or don't do. They are just a human, and I am here to create great human experiences, and that isn't for them as much as it is for me. Well, and and that's what's going through my head right now as I'm listening to you is if you do that, guess what you're going to get in return? You're going you're going to get – positive, I don't want to say feedback, but you're going to also, it's going to rebound back to you where people are going to be nice back to you, or people are going to give you better service, or your family is going to respond to your 
your needs and actually listen to you. 100%. We were talking at one point and um, a compliment that I get a lot is people ask me the question, how are you always so happy? Yes. Big secret, all, all you listeners, I'm not always so happy, but I know that the mission that I set out to do is working when that is the question that's being asked to me. And because people assume I'm going to be happy, I promise you when people know they're going to be with me, they're bringing that energy too because they want to connect, right? Like they want to say, I'm in an environment of positivity and happiness. I want to bring the parts of me that are positive and happy. Now, it is not to say that I live in this world where you can't bring me your darkness because I have mine and everybody has theirs. It's about saying we're going to navigate that. We're going to navigate that first fall on stage together. Yeah. And we're going to get up together and have this incredible joint experience of growth and acknowledgement and just saying it's okay to be who you are, but be the best of it. And that has different levels as you navigate. Yeah, because sometimes we do, we, you know, I'm, I'm going to use that analogy about falling down. And it's like, okay, feel the feelings or feel that emotion, feel that uncomfortableness. No, but then get up, you know, it's, and, and that's the most important thing is that eventually you do get up. Mm-hmm. But let's go back to like personal um, interactions, like you mentioned, because in my work, I'm always, striving to try to help families get along and understand each other. And as, as caregivers or parents or uncles or anyone that deals with other people, I mean, even my relationship, even with my own husband, if you, it's kind of like that iron sharpens iron. It's the same thing. If you bring out the best in other people, you're going to receive in return because, but if you're, constantly like, you know, bringing out the worst in people, then that's, that's going to be your life. I want to talk to you about the tool belts we carry in life. Okay. Uh, This was a really life-changing moment for me when somebody taught me this. We all carry a tool belt and we all have things we need fixed. Okay. Yep. That's true. So you enter an interaction with somebody, one-on-one interaction. I have something I need to hang on the wall and I need a nail to be in the wall so I can hang it on there. And I'm talking to somebody who in their tool belt as a measuring tape, a screwdriver, a level. There's no hammer in that tool belt. And I say, hey, can you go hang that picture for me? And that person intends to. They intend the best. Right. And they pull out what they have. They pull out the screwdriver and they're trying to get that nail in. And there's a, now a messed up wall. The picture's not hanging. And I'm frustrated. I'm upset. I could spend all my time blaming them for not getting the nail in the wall. Or I can acknowledge I asked somebody who didn't have a hammer to put the nail on the wall. And I bring that to every interaction. So when you think about the ways you interact with your family, whether it's your kids, your brothers or sisters, anybody, your friends, your friends, anybody, you have to be a little bit accommodating and saying, does this person have what I need in this moment? If they don't go to the person who does, we have to optimize each other's strengths. It's a two way street. You can't just tell somebody that they have what it takes to give you what you need in that moment. Right. We all have the friend that we like to go out, Uh, dancing with, the friend that we like to call when we're crying, the first person we call when something great happens, there's a reason you gravitate to those people in those moments. So consider the tools that are in people's tool belts and know the tools that are in your tool belt. I always tell people, I am with you through everything. I am not the person that you're going to call in the emotional moments. I'm that solutions friend. So like when you get past the initial shock of something you're going towards and you're ready to figure out what to do, I will strategize with you. I will be with you every step That's of the way. That's in your tool belt. That's in my tool belt because I found in those overly emotional moments, 
I didn't speak that language necessarily because I I'm somebody who again gets up when I fall right away. Not to say there's a right or wrong way, but I just know when to activate with my friends to make sure that I can hang the picture on their wall or have the tool that they need. Well, and knowing what is in each other's tool belts also helps two things that come to my mind. One is that you're not like looking down on this person because they failed to hang the picture or maybe you are and that's what mindset you have to change. But also that person who failed to hang the picture is feeling pretty bad about themselves. That is exactly correct. It's so easy just to be mad at you. I'm mad at you for not doing what I need in that moment. It is exceptionally wise to say, and I'm sorry I asked you to do it because you didn't particularly have that tool or that skill set. So I want to talk about codes of conduct. So I took this great course on small group discussion, and so much of what goes into that matters in your individual relationships too. Codes of conduct, understanding your relationship with people and what you expect, what they expect, what the consequences are if expectations aren't met and understanding all of that together as you navigate people also helps you have successful outcomes. So if you're interacting with somebody in your life, again, family, friends, anybody, and they're constantly disappointing you, co-workers, big time, and you're constantly frustrated with them and having to come down on them as the leader in that situation, but you never stopped at any point in time to say, here's the expectation. This is what I want you to do. If the scenario is this, then you really have no ground to stand on other than just two people who now feel worse than they did in the beginning. So I like to go into interactions with people and say, like, this is what I expect of you. And that could be, and if you don't have what I need in that moment, please tell me. I like, I'm a super transparent person. So if you look at me and say, I'm not your partner in this particular moment, I'll never be mad at you. I'll say, thank you. Thank you for not allowing me to feel disappointed in you and make you feel worse. And vice versa. And vice versa, right? Yeah. Well, and that's so true because if you're if you are in that situation where you're upset with somebody and you're trying to explain to them before talking about what you actually expect, guess what? They're not they're likely not to respond and change because they now feel I don't want to say attacked, but they feel like, you know, they might not even understand because they might not even have in their tool belt the ability to understand what they said or did as something that was not pleasing to you. And that happens all the time. And I think that's so important for people to understand. I'm using the word understand a lot. But to know your interactions and know that – I really want to say this right – know that sometimes if they don't have in their tool belt the ability to understand, like when I'm mad, let's let's use an example. Like if I'm mad at somebody and I'm trying to explain why I'm upset, if they don't have in their tool belt the ability to really comprehend that, and that can be personality, it could be based on their own experiences, if they're an adult, it could be a child who developmentally and cognitively is just not there, then no one really wins in that situation because you're still upset and then they're upset that you're upset. So it's, I think it just comes down to um, knowing what, I, I really love the idea of like that tool belt. 
um, knowing what's in their tool belt and bringing out the best in them because you know what their best is. 100%. I actually, on my flight over to do this show, um, not here for the holidays, I'm here for the show, (laughs) um, was just reading a great article in the Harvard Business Review. uh, And it was analyzing folks who finally reached the executive level of their career and what we're seeing a lot now is uh, transference, which is taking the, the learned behaviors and uh, context from one scenario and bringing them to another. And we're seeing a lot of folks as they get to that higher level of their professional career, not being able to respond to certain things the way they're expected to. And it's rooted in their childhood and their family structure and the, the context of that point of their lives. So professional coaching is taking a shift where it is usually pretty straightforward about what do we do? From now forward, executive coaches are now looking backwards, almost like psychologists, and saying, in your childhood, you experienced this, the roles you played, the context in which you were raised, the norms, the behaviors. You're exhibiting that now in your executive career, and there's strengths to that, and there are weaknesses to that. And a great example that they shared, just to set a little bit more understanding of that article, there was somebody who was being considered for a CEO role. She was exceptional in all ways her entire career. She was a high performer, but she had to do a presentation to the board to prove that she could be the CEO. And she knew what she needed to say. She knew the information she needed to convey, but she could not put it into this presentation. And her executive coach brought her back to her life. She had a sibling, a brother that was not as much of a high performer. And it became a lot of the dialogue that she was raised with. The parents saw the brother as almost expected to perform higher in that family norm, he didn't, he resented her. And she goes on to find out that in this moment where she's trying to become the CEO, she was afraid to succeed in that moment because she was afraid to be disliked or to be looked against by her peers at that time. And in understanding that, she overcame it, became the CEO and found a way to do it her way, to, to become successful without making others feel that they are not living up to to the expectation that, that she uh, superseded. And I found that really interesting and in understanding that you bring with you to every scenario, pieces of every other scenario. And when you go to the tool belt, understanding what's in yours, you have to understand where you come from, what you brought with you from that, and your own worldview. You learn about that in linguistics, right? The languages we speak in different places teach us different things about the world. It makes us see the world differently. So we're we here think weeds are something you pull out of the grass. In other countries, weeds are lettuce that you eat. We have very different understandings of what a weed is. And we have to understand that people have different understandings and different capabilities and ways to show up to different places. And I, I'm going to re- tie this into parenting a little bit. And that is also understanding how different each of your children are and that you really need to remember that because you're not going to be able, I mean, we all want to like treat our kids equally and, and so on. I'm not talking about that, but I'm really talking about knowing what your own children's strengths and weaknesses are and being able to interact with them in a way that you are effective because everybody's different. I get that all the time. They say in my practice, like, oh, I can't believe how different my kids are. Same gene pool, but they're so different. And I, my comment is always like, it would be boring if they were the same, right? 100%. But it's, but it's a challenge it's to like plant- anybody that talks to anybody because right. we all have 
different things that make us tick. I grew up in a family with four kids. All of us are different. And I mad respect my parents because now as an adult, I I can only imagine how much they had to navigate to, to manage four of us and be leaders to four of us. But it's like a garden, right? Like any of us that prepare our gardens, you don't just pick out the plants and put them in the ground and give them all the same amount of water, the same amount of sunlight. No, you water the plants accordingly to what their needs are. And if you do that effectively, your garden grows fully. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be beautiful. And I, and that's great because, I mean, I as, I as you're saying that, I'm picturing myself like reading the little tags like this needs sun, this needs more water, this needs shade. And yeah, that's how we all are. It's like, what, what does your tag say? And understanding that because, first of all, it's going to make your life a lot easier if you do. Because that's where, like you said, navigating and really knowing how to interact with people because it has that ripple effect because – you know, then they're going to feel good about themselves and you're going to get the most out of them and you're going to have respect and understanding. I say this in almost every podcast because Dr. Michelle Levitt um, said, you know, people just, and you even said it, we want to be seen, we want to be heard, and we want to feel safe. And sometimes it's just acknowledging our differences, and then being able to take that opportunity and move it forward. 100%. So I just read this great article, and it was actually in the the realm of parenting. Uh, And it was the story being told in the article is this kid was just having these outbursts in this situation and like emotional meltdowns, throwing tantrums. Been there myself. Oh, me too. I think I had a tantrum last night. Sorry. (laughs) Well, this is going to be good for us. And in this article, the, the parent instead of saying like, you're grounded, you're acting this way, it's inappropriate, actually said, why are you acting this way? And the kid went on to tell this, like said, I don't know. I just feel this way inside right now. I, right. And mental health, right? Like this has come up on several episodes of, of your podcast. We have to treat like what's happening inside to understand what's happening outside. And I love that article so much because we can go so far with people if we could just say, why are you showing up in this moment this way for the good and the bad? Like, Hey, you're really happy right now. Why? Like that, that's an easy thing for us to ask. You're celebrating. Why are you celebrating? But also when you interact with somebody, your child, friend, family work, we keep repeating all the context because it applies everywhere. Why, why are you showing up angry or sad and, and helping understand for ourselves and helping that person understand why they are in that moment. You can then help navigate. And it's my theory of the dark room. Anytime I'm navigating conflict, let's just say you and I are arguing about something. Mm -hmm. Before I get into that moment with you, that conversation, I'm going to ask for your commitment that we're going to meet in this middle, which is this dark pitch black room. And we're not ending this discussion until we get to the other side where the light is shining. Because when two people enter the dark room and don't commit to getting out, you just have two people lost in the pitch black. In a dark room, yeah. And that's where relationships get skewed, lost, misunderstood. I believe we all have the best of intentions for people. Absolutely. But we have to commit a little bit because it's not a straight path forward when you're navigating. So let's say you're you're trying to um, ask for that commitment or, you know, to, to get into that discussion. What, what if you interact with somebody that just doesn't want to? It's not the right time. Okay. Yeah, right? that's a good way to say it. If you're brewing tea... You have to wait for the kettle to start whistling for the tea to be ready, the water to be ready. So you just have to understand like that person's not ready in this moment and it is not the time to try to solve it. You have to give the person the right amount of time. And that's why certain conflicts 
lasts a little bit longer. And it's okay to say along the way before we enter that room, I'm still here. I still care. And I'd still like to resolve this. I still love you, but we're not going to get into the thick of this until you are ready to get through it. Um, And if someone's saying to you, I'm not doing that, they have some work to do. They have to figure out why they wouldn't want to go into that moment. And unfortunately, sometimes that means the relationship isn't going to mend. But in the family context where, of course, we're going to get there, it just takes time. There's so many times I'll look at someone and say, I'm just not ready. I'm not ready yet. And hopefully that person said, I respect that. Let me know when you are and I'll be there. And then you enter that dark room, you work it out, and you end up in the place where light is shining. It's a different room. The context is different. That code of conduct might change a bit. Mm-hmm. But you got through it. You could see clearly, and that's where relationships evolve and ultimately last. And that is really powerful. It is. I and as you talk about, like they're not ready. That that really makes me think about really again any age. I mean, we could be talking about a toddler that's freaking out. You're not going to be able to help them until they have stopped. Teenager a coworker, your significant other. It's that conversation that when you finally do have it is going to be much sweeter, so to speak, if you do wait until they're ready. But it's hard being on the other end. You're just like, I want to go. Let's go. Time's a ticking. I've got, <laughs> I've got expectations, but it's like, imagine that baby, right? Like that toddler takes its first step. Imagine being mad at the toddler for not running first. You have to let the toddler take its first step master walking, and then start running. And that's how you have to go through situations with people and allow them to to take their baby steps. Oh, uh, absolutely. I, I love it. Take their baby steps. And we go through that. We go through that all our life, don't we? Over and over again. It came up on another episode, actually several of your show, where everyone says, you know, one step at, one a, time. Step at a time, one step at a time. I know. And, and, and that's hard to do. I mean, I know we're saying it, we're both smiling. If you were in the studio right now, you'd see us, um, you know, really, I love this conversation. And, um, but we know that, you know, taking that step can be very difficult. Just like when you were face down on that stage, I I don't mean to laugh, but please laugh. It's a, you know, and that's the other thing I want to bring up is that sometimes I'll tell people when I'm talking to them in the office and, you know, it's it's a tough spot. And I don't mean this, you know, I'm overall a very optimistic person. So I have to be very careful when I am working with somebody that's going through something bad, because I really want to listen, let them know again, that I've heard what they have to say. And, you know, that they're safe talking to me about it. Haha. See, I, I, I built in the scene heard and safe. And, um, because, you know, part of me wants to be that cheerleader and be like, you're going to be okay, you know, blah, blah, blah. But in some cases that's not always helpful. But what I'm getting at is that what ultimately we have to do sometimes is just sit back. And maybe when I say sit back and listen, sometimes we have to sit back and listen to just silence. Like, let's just be. You know, we don't always have to continue to drill that person that we know is going through something. Sometimes you just have to be. And um, and that's okay, too. But that makes me think of going back to mission, my mission, right? right create exceptional experiences. Optimism, when I was first mastering the art of optimism, almost became a toxic thing I was doing because no matter what was happening in my friend's life, 
everything's great. It's all good. It's all good. And, and optimism almost became like uh, turning the volume up on the radio really loud so that everything else happening in the room drowns out. Optimism can't be that. You can't drown out what's happening in the room. I love it. Turn the volume down. Just be. You don't need to say anything in that moment. Yeah. And I think that's really important because I had to master that as I became this optimistic person because people were coming to me with real things that were happening in their lives and they needed to feel seen and heard and talk through it and be okay. And I was like, it's all great. And it's me and too. I people know. like that energy, but it needs to be master. You need to master how to use it. And I haven't perfected it yet because sometimes it's easy just to be like, I don't want to deal with this. So let's just be <laughs> happy, but turn the volume down. Let the sounds in the room happen. You don't have to solve everything in that moment and let people just be. I love that so much. It, it's um, it takes it takes practice. I mean, there's no doubt. And I and I talk about it, you know, almost on a regular basis because and I and I'm thinking of this analogy when it comes to teenagers like your father. Probably let's go back to your story. Your father had. Probably was thinking for a while. That you, you know, is this how you want to be? It didn't just happen at that moment, but he waited until he knew it was the right time to tell you. And so that's what I try to tell parents, especially with teenagers. I was just talking to a family today and, you know, the child is not expressing what's going on in their life. And the mom is trying so hard to find out. And what's happening is she the 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 child is walking away more, like getting further away. The more this parent is, you know, trying to get you know to the bottom of this. And so what I was trying to do is explain, you know, she's not going to come out of her room if every time she does, she's going to get a hundred questions. So you have to learn sometimes to just that just be or talk about something else. And eventually I think people when they're ready will start to come around. And I love that your father, who by the way is a great man, knew the right moment to tell you, Hey, you know, get it together, so to speak, or, or at least understand you can, Stay on the ground or you can get up and make a change in your life because he knew you weren't happy. And so I think that's what we have to do is timing. But, you know, we want so bad to like be make everybody feel good or fix things. But it, it really does come about with timing. So I I want to thank you so much for just, you know, spending this time, of course, flying all the way from California to share your wisdom. Is there anything else, like you've got the microphone, Nick, is there anything else you think going into this new year, this new start, um, so many opportunities, we talked about opportunities. Tell us some more about what we can do to live that mission-driven life and just make the most of every opportunity. 100%. First off, thank you again so much for having me. I, I love your show as a fan. And now to be a guest, I'm truly honored. Um, when I think about how I'm going to enter this next year, uh, we talked a lot today about how we show up in moments with other people, how to maximize their experience, be there for them, 
lead that change with them. It all starts by looking inside. Mm-hmm. I've spent a lot of years trying to make people feel the best that they can be, uh, bring great energy, all those things. It, it it's all has to start inside because if you're not sure about who you are, what tools are in your belt, the leader that you are, that you can trust the timing of situations, that you can just be yourself, you can't show up in those moments for other people that way. So I think as we all navigate into 2022, we need to have that moment of reflection. Make sure you know not just where you're going, but how you're going to show up. Um, in life, we're all given cups. And so much, we're, we're trained and we're, we learn early on that you got to fill the cup and see it half full or half empty. But more importantly, you have to think about what you're filling the cup with. It's not just that you show up. It's how you show up. It's the content that you're pouring into that cup. Because regardless if it's full or if it's empty, it needs to have great content inside so that people feel great when they're holding that cup. And I think we have to focus on our content and how we want to show up every single day. And that then reflects then out onto other people. Because if we shine, then we shine a light on everyone else. And it shines back to us. So we, we pretty much get what we give. Well, you shine always. So thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. And don't forget to follow us on Growing Up with Dr. Sarah and listen on anywhere you listen to your shows. So Apple Podcasts, Spotify, for example. And thank you again, Nick. And Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Do you know what I think about the title of your show as we close this out? Sure. Growing Up with Dr. Sarah. We're always all growing up. Oh, yeah. So when I listen, I'm growing up with you. So thank you for uh, hosting this space for all of us. Thank you. Happy New Year, everyone.